Hello and welcome to episode 192 of Retro Encounter RPG Fans Off Topic Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and today we are here to celebrate parents in our lives, but mostly in RPGs. Uh, and joining me for that today is Alana Higgs. Hello. And also Audra Bowling. Hiya! It has been too long since I've had either of you on a podcast. Al- Alana, it's been an entire seven days. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. I was about to correct you then, but then I remembered that <laughs> things do not always record in the order that we post them, so... Indeed. Yeah. And, uh, and Audra, it hasn't, uh, we haven't been on a podcast together since we recorded the uh, uh, Job and Class System episode from a few months ago. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> if it's anyone's fault, it's mine for uh, just rudely scheduling at an incompatible time for you. But anyway, uh, today we're here to talk about the moms and dads of RPGs in uh, no small coincidence because we had a Mother's Day feature last month and a Father's Day feature this month. The, I, I think we're posting this episode a few days before the Father's Day feature goes up, but it's almost uh, it's almost finished in the planning stages. And I have to record some episodes before I am gone for a week at E3. So, yeah, <laughs> this episode's recording a little bit in advance. But um, both of those features were really fun to write and compile. Uh, uh, Audra, you, I think you might have written the most entries for the Mother's Day series, because your name shows up a lot in that, in that article. Yeah, I, I think I did write a, quite a few of them. I think you did most for both, actually. Like, looking at both oh. of them, it's just... It's amazing. You have no. It's amazing because you have such a good memory and your like your descriptions for so many of them. Because I've not played most of the games that you've written about, I'm always like, oh, now I want to play it because like there's a lot that I don't know. I don't know the mums and dads from the games, so yeah, it's piqued my interest. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like I, I noticed that um, one of the ones you uh, wrote for was uh, a, a title character of a different game, and I wasn't even aware she was a mom in a different game. You... <laughs> we, we, uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah for uh, we can mentioned who that was no no no, not Suikoden I was talking about Kudelka oh oh did you not oh no because I've 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 only played Shadow Hearts 1 yeah I've only played Shadow Hearts Covenant but anyway yeah we had uh, uh, about 20 moms and 20 dads mostly good some bad over those two articles we uh, I wholeheartedly recommend you that you check out both features listeners the uh, if they're not on the front page anymore if you go to the RPGfan.com and then go to features and you should be able to um, find them in the features list somewhere, but I think that uh, for this episode we'll, be, we'll go a little bit loose. We'll just uh, p- um, cherry pick different moms and dads to talk about one by one. Uh, and uh, Alana, go ahead and pick first, either a mom or a dad from uh, that, e- either on the feature or off the top of your head. Oh wow! Um, now this is the question: Do I go super obvious or do I go a little bit less obvious? Let's go with an obvious game, and I think that Final Fantasy VII. Why not? Because it's E3 and there'll be remake news by the time we've had this episode. Um, whether now, we've seen Elmira Gainsborough or someone like that, we don't know, but yeah. Yeah, you know, the um, you have a couple options there with Final Fantasy VII, because like, are, are you talking about um, uh, Eris's pretty responsible parents, or uh, maybe Barrett himself, or maybe a, uh, a slightly less responsible parent? Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, for the actual feature I wrote about Almira Gainsborough, um, because we were struggling for adoptive parents in both features, and funnily enough, mm-hmm. I seem to have written an adoptive parent for both the Mother's and the Father's Day feature, just kind of coincidentally. But like, 
Elmira Gainsborough, you don't really find out about Aerith's, re- Aerith's real mom until later on in the game, but Elmira is a very traditional, typical mom, but I think she does a really good job of grounding Aerith, because Aerith is always, pre- like, nowadays is pictured as a bit more demure, but she's actually quite spunky and quite playful, and I think that, not rebellious necessarily, but, like, Elmira is definitely the ground for her, and she's definitely a very traditional mom, and I think that I can associate my like parents with her or anything like that in general but like she goes through some awful stuff in the game Elmira does like even though Aerith isn't her daughter by blood she definitely has to take a lot um by halfway through the game (laughs) and before you even leave Midgar um she thinks Aerith is dead or kidnapped at least twice and has Mm -hmm. a and uh has to be a surprise babysitter for Marlene for for a little while when when <laughs> when Eris is stashing away Marlene to, um, to protect her from uh, from the Turks. So yeah, she she's a she's a very good adoptive mom. She is. She does a lot for yeah. everybody. And even when Eris dies halfway through the game, um, she takes it very well. Like she's visibly up, well, not visibly at the moment, but she's definitely upset. But she doesn't blame anybody because obviously Cloud is blaming himself or. I think Cloud is the one who tells her. Someone else does, but she doesn't blame anyone for it. And she understands what Aerith's role is as a Cetra, but she's never like angry at anybody. And she's she's sad, obviously. But yeah, I think she's a she's a pretty staple mom character in this series. And for uh, Final Fantasy's got some pretty traditional moms, but there are some <laughs> rogues and some very unusual parents throughout the entire <laughs> franchise. So. Yeah. She also keeps a very tidy ha- household with a nice musical theme to accompany it. Mm, she does. Lots of flowers as well. <laughs> I know, especially in the slums. Mm. And maybe, I don't know if we need to bring them up, but, uh, but Aerith uh, does have um, parents that you do meet in flashback, uh, other than Elmira. Uh, poor Professor Gast and um, oh shoot, what was Aerith's mother's name? Ifalna. Ifalna. Yeah. yeah, Gast and Ifalna. It's uh, you know, probably won't be the first time we mention parents that tragically die to save their children. That's that's kind of staple. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially moms. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, poor, poor Madonna. Poor from FF6. Uh, oh no. Poor. Uh, <laughs> poor Queen Baron from FF5. <laughs> there, are, there are too many. Poor Rydia, Rydia's mom in FF4, you accidentally kill her in the first hour of the game. Yeah. So, so too many tragically dying parents in Final Fantasy is my opinion on the matter. Mm-hmm. Or absent mothers. There are... Actually, when we were prepping for the feature... Sorry, Audra. Um, oh, no. I was actually thinking of um, Julia and Rain from FF8, too. Right. Oh, God. That was a twofer. <laughs> oh. Squall, I, I always thought of... That put the FF8 romance in pretty interesting, um, in pretty interesting context. Like like Laguna and uh, and Rain couldn't be together. Wait, 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 which 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 one is the pianist? Uh, Julia. Julia. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Right. Um, uh, Laguna and Julia couldn't be together. So in the next generation, their children got together. I thought that I don't know that 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 made Squall and and Renoa seemed slightly more destined and and less unappealing <laughs> for me because I, I I didn't I, I dislike the Squall and Renoa relationship for a lot of the game. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I I think that they're that you know they were not good for each other and Squall was a jerk, but it, I feel better about it with with greater context at the end. So and their and their parents helped that. 
I mean, Skull's getting the best end of the deal because he's getting Renoa and Angelo, so... Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was going to say, actually, while we were planning the Mother's Day feature, I was thinking of how many absent mums there are in video games, like, and across all media, I guess you can say, because, sure. yeah, like, it's just, you know, let's sacrifice someone's mum for emotional value and context and... And, uh, just, and just, just a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of anime and manga where there are high school kids living alone like it's normal. Because it's just, and when really it's just complicated to write, uh, to write an extra parent or an extra character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, I think every single Persona character, Persona main character, doesn't have parents. <laughs> either, yeah, either, either for dumb plot reasons or they just didn't want to write them into the game. <laughs> they're working away or they're dead. Right. That's basically it. He's at the factory. <laughs> I, I think the Persona 4 main characters' parents are both uh, overseas working, and um, uh, the Persona 5 main characters' parents couldn't bother to move to Tokyo. It was, I, I, don't, I don't know, it was, uh, it's complicated, but they're always willing to write, to write in a sort of third-party father figure instead. Mm-hmm. Teenagers. You know, speaking of which, well, let's stay in the Persona universe for a little bit. Um, uh, Dojima in Persona Four is a really excellent dad. Mm-hmm. And, he's got uh, a good kid. Yeah, he's he's yeah, like he's, yeah, I really Na- like him. Yeah, Nanako is just the best kid, and Dojima's really, really trying his hardest. We, even though he's not always one hundred percent there for Nanako, they they love each other so much, and he uh, he he warms up to the main character pretty quickly enough. He, I, I think he's a really good RPG dad. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably one of the, the better ones, I think. I love how grumpy he starts off and how much... This is a common thing with RPG dads, I think. They start off really gruff, or like father figures. They're really <laughs> not... Like, they just don't want to have anything to do with the kid or the young one. They're just like, oh, these youngsters doing all their things. And then by the end of the game, they utterly adore the main character or they have so much respect for them. And it's a really... Right. <laughs> like, I never get tired of that arc, ever. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I, I I remember we were joking once. It was probably in Slacker on a podcast that uh, we wanted to play a game that was just Dojima and then Sojiro from Persona Five and then Mutatsu Mutatsu from Persona Three, just all hanging out in a bar yeah. drinking together. Yes, please. <laughs> That's not, yeah. Of all of these begrudging respect Persona dads, just hanging out, <laughs> talking about their non-children that just have unbelievable animal magnetism. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but um, back to Dojima. Uh, I think it's the Hierophant uh, social link. It's been hours since I've thought about Persona Four, so uh, excuse me if I miss some details. But uh, it, it, that's a really sweet storyline too. I mean, I think you need to have your um, oh shoot, either your expression or your understanding stat pretty high. But it, it goes some pretty heavy places with uh, uh, Dojima connecting with Nanako and talking about his uh, his wife who's passed. And uh, it's 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 a little bit of a traditional kind of storyline, you know. You know, sad dad misses his wife, trying to raise trying to raise his daughter, kind of story. But it's it's executed very very well, and I think it brings you closer to Dojima and and has you like him more. Because I mean, Do- Dojima is a great non father father figure, and Nanako is just the sweetest like RPG little kid maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, she is the best. But yeah, Nanako gives that whole arc a real big heart because Dojima is again the grumpy one and he's just trying to figure out but Nanako doesn't understand and she just wants to see her mum sometimes but she wants to help her dad as well but she's still she's still only a little but she's still cute and yeah Dojima is great she's so helpful too 
It's always... Yes, she's probably better at cooking and laundry than I am. <laughs> and, and, I, and I am probably four times her age. I'm not sure. I'd have to check the numbers on that one. But, yeah, she's an extremely responsible, likable uh, RPG kid. That that just made that and uh, and when something happens to Nanako later in the game, like you've like uh, the player is so attached to Nanako by then that you are just enraged and ready to murder. <laughs> you <laughs> you all that... Gojima in that split second, aren't you? He is yeah. exactly he is gutted. He's absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. But you are exactly as angry as he is. But he's powerless. Yeah. He can do it. It's an emotionally manipulative moment uh, by, <laughs> by Persona 4's writers, but I was 100% there, like, you know, attached to the puppet strings for that one. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I miss Persona 4. I, I'd go replay it, except I've already done that, like, three times, and it's, it's, a, it's not a short game at all. <laughs> I need to finish a golden playthrough, actually. Ooh. Oh, so yeah. you you haven't played January or February yet? Oh my! No. No, you got you got to you got to throw that ninety hours in there again just so you can see people's winter clothes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hear that nice uh, that that nice um, January town theme. It's it's, it's it's there's some good music in Golden. And oh, and and lest I forget the Super Sentai costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah, all of these are mandatory. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but Audra, uh, Alana and I went first. Do you have a uh, an RPG parent that you want to discuss for the episode? Well, actually, I loved, and I think I tried, I talked about her quite a bit on the Mom's Day feature. I love Samara from Mass Effect, just because oh, right. I think she's a great, she's a mother who was put in, like, a really crappy situation, but she still cares for her children. I kind of think, like, especially her Mass Effect 3 storyline just really gets to me because of that. Yeah, I... When she connects to others, daughters. I, I, I don't think that, um, well, in, in the big recruitment moment for Samara in Mass Effect 2, I mean, unless you're really a sociopath or really going for a renegade playthrough, you have to pick Samara over Morinth, right? Like, yeah. Like, what kind of monster are you if you go for Morinth over Samara? Especially given what you... No, Morinth was doing at that time. Yeah, uh, Alana, have you mm-hmm. played Mass Effect Two? I have watched playthroughs, oh, okay. but unfortunately, I've missed um, parts of Samara's story, so I don't have the whole backstory or everything. So it's this very, will be interesting. It's very her. The resolution of it is quite good, I thought, especially in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, and it's. Um, really... But like, I, I think if you. Went with Morinth in Mass Effect Two. She always shows up as a as a banshee in Mass Effect Three because there's a uh, oh. be, because there's a like when uh, when a Reaper uh, takes over a, uh, a a you know a powerful biotic um, they, they, uh, of, of that species they can they become banshees. But Samara can either be recruited or turned into a banshee. Whether you uh, but it depends on whether you sort of um, do her Mass Effect Three quest or not. Yeah, I think so. And, and, but but uh, the, yeah, the basics of the of the story are that Samara has multiple daughters. One of them is Morinth, and uh, and she's a Justicar, which is a which is sort of like a, a like an elite, like a, an elite police officer or like agent, like you know an elite agent of keeping the peace. And uh, but they both have a condition, uh, or, or or Morinth has a condition where that if she does a biotic connection with someone uh, during a like, you know uh, during the psychic version of sex that that species does, it, uh, she, yeah. Yeah, it, it murders her partner, 
and and so Samara is trying to stop her daughter from be like becoming a serial murderer, doing that over and over. And uh, and w- when they clash, you can choose to side with Samara and kill her daughter, or side with Morinth and kill Samara. <laughs> and in which case, Morinth takes over her mother's identity. Which, oh boy, that's that's a Bioware ass side quest if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, that I've never been able to do that during yeah. a playthrough. <laughs> I, I did the Morinth thing once when I was deliberately making every single renegade decision I could. Uh, which might have been for trophy hunting, I'm not sure. I played I played Mass Effect. Uh. I played Mass Effect two and three on PS three. But uh yeah, that, I mean that was a hell of a trilogy. It's almost sad that it's uh that uh it's not in the most likable state right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't played Andromeda though. I I mean I was almost afraid to after it's uh a bad reputation. Did did you ever try uh, Andromeda, Audra? Yeah, I actually it has a lot of, it's not perfect, but I didn't hate it. Okay. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't um, decide to do the story continuation DLC, just because they left a, one part of the plot really hanging. Oh yeah, they left it didn't they, because of um, issues, and then I think they moved on to mm-hmm. Anthem and whatever else they were doing oh, afterwards. Oh yeah, An- so. Anthem, that's, yeah. Th- th- that was a smart decision. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't know how much uh, story DLC Anthem is going to get because if anything that was even more poorly received than Andromeda was. Yeah. yeah. But are there good moms or dads in Andromeda? Um... <laughs> I I know that I know that there is a father character because you're uh because aren't there a brother and sister character that? Yeah, there's um good brother and sister characters. Okay, um... but, but but not a good dad. All right. There's actually Jal's mother. The alien, the new alien that joins, he has a mother who's just kind of adorable. Oh, all right. <laughs> she even like will message the player character on email and stuff if you're close to Joel, and it's it's just kind of cute. Ah, yeah. So supportive mom emails, I think, is I think definitely counts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, what what other parent do we parents do we have to dis- to discuss here? I want to talk about Shadowhearts, but I won't be talking about... We were having a bit of a discussion beforehand, and I won't be talking about that parent. Well, well, I, you can... I, I haven't <laughs> actually played Shadowhearts. So. Well, I haven't played Kudelka, so oh. I do not have the whole picture. Um, I know of her, but I was going to talk about two parents. One is a big spoiler for Shadowhearts Covenant, <laughs> which we covered on the podcast two years ago. Uh, the other one... Is kind of a side quest with one and is referred to in two gently. And I think Peter, Peter Triesenberg has written a uh, write up on uh, Yuri's dad, who's ref- referred to as Foxface throughout the Bigitha Shadowhearts game, uh, but his name is Ben Huger. So, really, by the beginning of the game, uh, Ben is already dead, um, but he is kind of semi-possessed but like stuck in the afterworld life um he's in a harmonic so like yuri so he can transform into all these different demons and beasts but in this afterlife he's kind of haunting yuri um the whole point of the first game is that yuri is trying to so in the second game he's trying to break out of a curse but in the first game yuri is kind of scared of his powers like he doesn't want to acknowledge them and he hates them and it reminds him of his dad because it was what he used to have as well like he didn't have a necessarily amazing relationship with his dad because he always used to be away doing harmonics of things and killing bad guys i think but he didn't know that um but um towards the end of the game there's a side quest you can do and uh it involves 
beating your dad in a boss fight basically in the area that you get all of the harmonics or upgrades for yuri uh and then one of those boss fights is against your dad called Foxface. um you don't realize it at the time and it's only afterwards that you really find out that it is your dad and then you get i think it's the ultimate fusion i can't remember it's been a while since i played the first shadow hearts um but it's part of the four mask curse which yuri's inflicted with so he's inflicted with the curse on both games and is trying to cure both of them in both games uh but um it can end one of two ways um and it's to do it's linked with that boss fight slightly um but yeah ben is not really present and um yuri really really struggles with his relationship with his father um his mother is not really explored until the second game and yeah that's an enormous spoiler <laughs> yeah that is a huge, yeah, it's a huge plot twist and i think we talked about it two years ago um that the actual canonical way to play shadow hearts is play shadow hearts one bad ending shadow hearts covenant good ending shadow hearts one good ending and shadow hearts from the new world so it, it will make sense when you play shadow hearts covenant all the way through because you know one of the characters in one dies and then yuri has to go through this existential crisis and you know he finds his mom somehow and it gets really complicated, but I'm really, I'm really interested in the way it does the whole mother-son thing. It was very strange, and I remember being very confused at the time. But it kind of makes sense when you play it or put it all together. But it's definitely the most unusual dis- depiction of like a father-son relation, mother-son relationship, especially when they don't know that. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a strange game. So a strange um, conclusion for a strange series doesn't exactly fall to the wayside too much you know there there's also another situation where you fight your grandparent in shadow hearts covenant oh yes yeah well i'm talking about the real star of the game blanca the white wolf his uh (laughs) his his dedicated side quest has him fighting uh fighting wolves other wolves for dominance all uh throughout the game and the last one that you fight reveals after you beat him that uh that he's your grandfather and he's a He's proud of you, especially since his own son was not a fighter, which is which. Mm-hmm. I, which I think oh, is cool. Yeah. Um, it is cool, especially just since I I love I I love like fighting arena kind of side quests. I think I mentioned that in the Tales of Asperia episodes a few months ago. <laughs> but uh, but like, um, Blanca actually meeting, uh, learning that he has family was a was a nice brief little moment, and I think he teaches you some ultimate attack or something afterwards, mm-hmm. which I also appreciate. Thank you, Lobo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's a really great side quest um there is one other mother which we do mention in the mother's day feature um very briefly appears in the first shadow hearts game uh but has her own game um on the ps1 called kudelka and she is hallie's mum from the original shadow hearts um so both her and hallie um have extremely powerful esp psychic powers i have yet to play kudelka yet so i can't really fill in a lot of the blanks and um her story um but you should go check out the feature because um i think it's either order or lucy have written it i i want to yeah hi it was not me ah so it must have been lucy then um, it, it might have been hillary i know hillary is a big kudelka fan mm-hmm. it's um, one of it's one of us <laughs> yeah, but, um, but, uh, but un- unfortunately kudelka is a bit of a rare ps1 game and doesn't have and isn't available digitally anywhere uh it, it looks like lucy did write that bit um but 
like it, it's popular enough and sort of a cult hit enough that it's come up on the podcast and throughout RPG fan stuff often, which is mm-hmm. a little bit tragic because I would I would love to play it, but it's really hard to find and it costs like ninety dollars or something on on eBay. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, it's really cheap in the UK actually. I've seen it for as low as five pounds. So I've just never oh, wow. picked it up because I've never. I've always been busy and it's huh. yeah. But hey, it's pretty cheap over here. I don't know. Is it because it's set in England? Who knows? We get um, maybe it had a larger, <laughs> maybe it had a, re- a larger release in Europe, but, and or maybe it's uh, maybe it's maybe. cheap. Maybe it's cheap now. And uh, when I was looking for it in the mid in the mid two thousands, it was just not as available, huh? Yeah, it's a lot slower than Shadow Hearts one, two, or three. It's a, quite a bit different. Um, it's got more survival horror aspects to it, I believe. Um, but it's still RPG, still turn-based, and very unique for the time. And Kadelka herself is quite a fun character, and she has a lot of good banter with a lot of the other characters from what I've seen. So, And she's quite fun. Like, her son, Hallie, in Shadow Hearts is kind of good, like, free will, kind of cheerful. So she, he kind of an, an inherits her um, attitudes. Yeah, it's a, it's at least seventy five bucks, sometimes much higher. Uh, when oh, after wow. after a brief search on a, through American online venues, so it's a yeah, I would still call it an uncommon or rare PS one game, at least in North America. Oh, wow, maybe, maybe maybe I should get a European PS one. See if I can figure that out. <laughs> I definitely want to play it. Me too, especially after hearing. Uh, Hillary talk about it that um, during the cast of characters episode we did over a year ago that, that, she, that she made it sound pretty interesting. Yeah, the whole series has got good characters, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Kudelka matched that. Of, of those four games, uh, Shadow Hearts plus Kudelka, I've only played Shadow Hearts Covenant, but it has a really, really good characters and dialogue, so I, I would love mm. to play more of it. <laughs> I recommend it. <sighs> Well, my backlog just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> oh no, it, it's, Always. it's it's never ending, and 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 it's worse yep. when you have to divide some of your time that would normally go to video games to podcasts. So apologies for that. We all we all could oh, be sorry. we all could be playing Shadow Hearts right now, but instead <laughs> I, I dragged you into this nonsense. Oh uh, no, it's fun. <laughs> like speaking of adopted parents, um, Phoenix Wright from Ace Attorney. Oh yeah, yeah, he definitely he definitely uh, counts. His relationship with his daughter, just, I think it's, it was very sweet in Apollo Justice, and I like that they carried it over, instead of sending her off to boarding school or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, in uh, over the course of Ace Attorney 4, you meet uh, Phoenix Wright, who's uh, a disgraced former lawyer at first, and then and you meet, uh, oh, she, what's his daughter's name? I, I know she's Apollo's half, half-sister, but... Uh... Trucy? Tr- yeah, Trucy. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You meet Trucy, and then through the events of those games, uh, you meet um, uh, Trucy. You learn that Trucy and Apollo are half are half siblings, and you meet their mother. Um, and uh, and you also learn that uh, Trucy's biological father uh, dies over the course of that game. And but then in um, in Ace Attorney Six, uh, Spirit of Justice, you meet um, Apollo's uh, adopted father. Uh, who's uh, who is a former um, lawyer working in that in that uh, in that mysterious nation that that's like fake Nepal? I forget what it's called. And uh, but uh, and, uh, and and you learn a little bit about Apollo's past. So there's there's some very very good surrogate father work in the, in the Phoenix Wright games. Yeah. But but Phoenix himself is maybe the more, is definitely the more prominent one because he he plays that role in uh, the fourth, fifth, and sixth 
games. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, the one thing he cares about a lot is just Trucy and not wanting people to take her away from him and everything, which I thought was really sweet, yep, given her storyline. The only things he cares about are Trucy, Justice, and ramen. I mean, hamburgers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, ramen burgers. Sure. Huh, I wonder if I could eat a hamburger with like with just two bricks of uncooked ramen for the buns. Would that, would that, does that sound like a terrible idea? I, I, and, oh, in retrospect, that's a terrible idea. I'm pretty sure that's actually a thing. Oh like, boy, is it? I've I'm heard of sure. something. I, I've oh, heard of some no. kind of burger with like that. I'd be really happy. I know it's just a construct of like putting strange food together, but I'd be really happy if they were inspired by the localization of Phoenix Wright just to do that. <laughs> sure. I, I, I knew guys in mostly in college that would eat those bricks of uncooked noodles like, like a cracker or something, oh. but I, 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 always thought, I always thought they were total man, maniacs. It's like, the, it's like part of the fun of eating rama or, or pho is the, you know, is, is the broth and the noodles. Like, what, what, what are you guys doing, you idiots? <laughs> oh, well. Agreed. But yeah, but the, I've all, I mean, it's, it's been. I think even uh, our mutual friend Derek Heemsbergen even named his Japanese language uh, uh, th- thesis paper like "Everyone enjoy your hamburgers." <laughs> like, yeah, so, uh, with the uh, you know d- discussing localization work. So it's it's always amusing seeing how they you know find ways to finagle the Phoenix Wright setting to be the United States and not Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Phoenix is a great dad, and I'm I feel bad that I don't remember the 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 father character from Spirit of Justice. Have you played that one, Audra? I've gotten about halfway through it, so I don't know if I've met him yet. Uh, I think you yeah. have met him. He's uh, I sh- I sh- uh, well, okay. This is a minor spoiler. Uh, there's a character. Oh. Na- there's a character named Dirk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he um when Apollo used to live in that country, uh, Dirk's family adopted him. Oh, because, neat. Uh, and, and so you learn about uh. About Apollo's biological dad, Jove Justice, who who sadly passed away when he when they were visiting, and then and then Dirk adopted Apollo, and eventually Apollo left. So uh, Dirk's son, who's the prosecutor for most of the cases in that game, are uh, like him and Apollo had a falling out years earlier, and they and they resolve that, and you learn about Dirk and Apollo and their past throughout that game. It's 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 a very very good Phoenix Wright game. It might be one of I, I think it's my oh shoot I don't think it's as good as the as Trials and Tribulations, which is most mm-hmm. people's favorite, but it's uh, it, it's it's almost as good. It's my second or third favorite in the whole series. So you, oh, you, should, so you should you should finish it. I should. <laughs> Time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Dirk's a good dad, even though he only has a uh, like a uh, uh, one or two cases to express that. And then of course you have Phoenix Wright just being an excellent dad throughout the latter three games of that uh, sexology. <laughs> In that, in yeah, that... hexology. Let's go for hexology. Hexology, also. hexology. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I might have been mixing my Latin and my Latin prefixes and Greek suffixes there. That's my bad. <laughs> okay, so who do we have next? Um, Alana, I'm afraid I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it early. Uh, you, you know what I? You know what we have to talk about? Oh, I don't know. See, this could go two ways. This could go your way or my way. So, I think we should have it go both ways. Okay. Um, there are a lot of great parents in the Dragon Quest series. There are, and um, uh, one of which is maybe the most prominent of them all is uh, a game you finished recently. If my if my Twitter mo- Twitter monitoring is accurate, <laughs> yes. Um, so I think the original video game Daddy, let's say, oh, uh, Dragon Quest Five, one yeah. of the very first and best. Yep. 
one of the best, definitely. So there's a multi-layered tier. So you've got, please tell me if I say this wrong. I think you'd say it Pankras, would you? Yeah. Or would mm-hmm. you be able to? Yeah, cool. It's, so... it, his, his name is Papas in, in, in Japanese. <laughs> in, 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 case, in case they weren't trying to communicate his daddiness enough. <laughs> Papas. Yeah, but, uh, Papas, and then they renamed him Pankras or Pankras for uh, uh, the DS English language version. Yeah, so Dragon Quest V starts off really sweet, and you see Pankaraz as the king of a nation, awaiting the birth of his son, which is your character, Um, but you very quickly get to fall in love with Pankaraz, because events happen, time skips happen, and you're already a young boy with living with your father in a village, and he is... He's very protective of you. He's very much wraps you in bubble wrap, cotton wool. Um, He wants to do everything for you, Um. The first kind of phase, so Dragon Quest V, for those who don't know, is split into three sections. Uh, for the whole of the first section, which you are a child, you are six years old, I want to say, or eight years old, possibly. Um, you are basically, uh, you have your hand held throughout the, this most of this first part We're by your dad. So you can't leave town without him. If you do and attack anything, he comes out and heals you and either brings you back into the town or he guides you around and shows you and takes you to your next location. And, 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 you, and you'll be level two or three and he's level, I think, like 31 or 32. And, <laughs> he's and, and definitely just, an endgame level, yeah. yeah and, and, and just de- defeating everything in one hit while you're just a comp- when you're just whacking things at, with a stick for one damage. So it's very it's communicated that Pankraz is strong as hell and very protective of you. Mm-hmm. It's done really well because I got really frustrated because I wanted to explore and I was like, no, my dad's coming out here to hold my hand. I'm like, no, please, dad, just let me go. And he's like, I can't do it. That's, re- that's really putting you in the shoes of the little kid. It's like, oh, mom, dad, I want to yeah. go out and explore by myself. Like, nope, I'm coming with you. So we have to sneak out at night instead and go to the scary towers with your best friend. So at least you get to do that. But um, yeah, um, quite early on, and I, I don't think this is a huge spoiler, but if you haven't played Dragon Quest V, then I am going to spoil the end of the first section of the game for you. Um, it's been twenty. Da- it's been 27 years. It's allowed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, your dad is murdered in front of your eyes, so you go off to save your dad because he goes to... Uh, he goes to save the king of a neighbouring nation's son who is kidnapped, the prince, um, Prince Harry. Um, and then you go to save him or find him and he basically runs off without you originally you're going to go together and then your dad is like so determined that he just speeds off without you and you're just like hang on a minute like you're my dad like you've been showing me around and all this like all of a sudden i felt when he left i felt really lost because i was like where do i go so i just asked around everywhere and they told me where i needed to go that was good and then i found my dad and was like okay now i'm safe again because the monsters in that area start off quite tough um but the further on you get and you rescue Prince Harry and you get out of there and all of a sudden this the kind of big bad shows up and uh one of the major one of the major villains shows up, yep. <laughs> you have to you go into a battle sequence as if you're controlling Pankras. Um you're not. It's basically he does everything. Um Pankras just defends himself while these his two henchmen um destroy him absolutely beat him to death and it's horrible and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. basically uh, the the boss monster is holding you hostage like holding a knife to your throat or something and says and and says all right pancras you have uh you you don't do a thing or else your son dies so then it cuts to a battle scene and his two henchmen are just beating up pancras while he just does nothing or defends or, or and, and you basically watch his hp slowly go to zero uh, this character yeah this character that has been this undefeatable rock for you the uh the entire game you just have to watch him 
allow himself to be killed, and it, it is brutal. But uh, yeah. but but like it's it's communicated very well that your dad is beloved by everyone is uh, is a a king who you know has the noblesse oblige. He just like your your dad is just the best person, and then you have to watch him die in front of your eyes. It's brutal. Uh, mm. But then you it, that that's only part one of Dragon Quest V. As it continues on, you get to be a dad yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I was so happy. That was really weird. I don't like children, but I was like, <laughs> oh my god! I don't, I don't yeah. love children either, but I like video game children. Okay, when they're when they're yeah. when they're as, as cool as you know Nanako in Persona Four or or your kids in Dragon Quest Five. <laughs> I just shout out to like Toriyama's artwork in this game. I love the sprite work or the like. Um, what do you call them? The portraits in battle mm. for both your kids, like. Um, the son is holding a sword, really like looking like kid grumpy. You know when a kid has a strop and looks at you and he's trying not to laugh. That's what it looks like. <laughs> but then your daughter has got like his look doing a lookout pose, and she's got the cutest little gloves on and little bows in her hair, and I love it. <laughs> it's just adorable. I uh, love my children in Dragon Quest. For the un- for the uninitiated in uh in Dragon Quest Five in part two of the game, you uh you uh you're locked up in a mine for about a decade or so, and then you break out with Prince. Harry, and then uh, both of you find love. Prince Harry uh, marries one of the uh, one of the other slaves that you broke out with, and uh, and then you marry your choice of women, uh, either your childhood friend or uh, a daughter of a no- of a wealthy merchant that you meet in the middle part of the game, and. Uh, and after you after you marry the lady of your choice, uh, she has the fastest pregnant pregnancy ever, and then <laughs> like what? And then and then has twins. I, I think I think it literally can be like forty five minutes after you marry, if, if in in real time as you're playing the game. <laughs> but uh, but then you uh, you have a twin boy and a, uh, you have you have twins, a boy and a girl, and then you and your wife are captured by the same monster that killed your dad, oh, God. and turned into stone. Just drama. And then, so much to deal with. And then I think it, I don't know the exact number of years. I think like an, another eight or nine years pass with you as a stone statue in someone's garden. <sighs> and oh. and uh, and then your kids, who are now eight or nine years old, find you and rescue you. And uh, and then the rest of the game is teaming up with your kids and finding your long lost wife and uh, and defeating the monster that killed your dad and turned your wife to stone. It's. <laughs> And rescuing your mom. And, so res- and rescuing whole... your mom. Yeah, you learn that that uh, the entire point of you and your dad traveling together in the first part of the game was that he was looking for your mother, and uh, and you finally meet her uh, at the near the end of the game, and you learn that she's you know part of an ancient order of people that's that's uh, pre- that's holding the demon kingdom at bay from invading the human world. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Quest is really good at family. It's yeah, just so good, and I think we'll get onto that in a minute. Oh, we will with another game. <laughs> uh, well, let, um, just you know, shout out to some other good Dragon Quest parents. Uh, th- there's a really brutal moment in Dragon Quest Three where the subplot of the whole game is you're looking for your long lost father. You yeah. uh, and you and you meet him for about five minutes before he gets himself murdered. At, at near the very end, which is a, which is a bit of a, a mind blow. Um, then you have a, a Dragon Quest VI, where part of the game is uh, is remembering your true identity and reconnecting with your parents, who are the king and queen of a nearby nation. But but also, you know, you were uh, you're the surrogate older brother of a uh, of a young woman who wished for a family, and then you arrived in the sky. And uh, for, and so at the very beginning, you you have a sister. 
So that's a nice family moment. Uh, in Dragon Quest VII, you have very supportive parents, uh, and and it's it's pretty cool when you go back in time and meet one of your ancestors in a in a very nice sequence. But uh, in Dragon Quest VIII, you're um, helping a father and daughter who have been transformed into uh, non-human forms throughout the game, and you and you learn about uh, your own parentage, how your uh, your mother and father died trying to be together, but were ultimately separated. And uh, and you were um and your grandfather whisked you away to another kingdom to be, to grow up, but Dragon Quest Eleven. So many good dads. There are un, a, a a shocking number of great dads in that game. A shocking number. Holy crap. Uh, I, I mean, you you have the main character's uh, biological father, King Irwin. Who uh, di- who does the Papas the the Pancras thing of sacrificing himself so his son so his son can escape? And uh, can we just uh, say like King Owen is a good looking dad as well? Yeah, like, whoa! And he's got a handsome Scottish accent too. Woo! Yeah, yeah. And then and and your mom is not exactly a, sl- a slouch either. Queen Eleanor is a looker, even though she I think when you meet her she has given birth to you days earlier. <laughs> she, look at looking great it's for coolest. a new mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and but but she also sadly uh, passes away trying to help you escape the kingdom that's being invaded by monsters. And but then you're uh, but then you're picked up by a man named Chalky who becomes your surrogate Aww. grandfather. And Chalky is just the sweetest person in the entire world. He's adorable. He's lived such a life as well, and he's so popular and he's loved and he cares about you as well. But he knows. He knows about your like where you've come from, doesn't he? If I remember right, I yeah, like... no, he um, yeah. yeah, he knows uh where you've come from because he read the no- uh, some note or some That's seal right. from uh when he found you as a baby, and he's passed away at the beginning of the game when you start. But uh, there's a in a slightly confusing sequence. You briefly travel back in time uh, in your village, and you even meet yourself as a young boy. But uh, but but you also meet Chalky, who immediately recognizes that he that it's a grown up version of his grandson because he has grandpa wisdom. And mm-hmm. he, and you just ha- you just having a very very adorable conversation, and he t- and he tells you where to find uh, the note that he that was with you as a baby, so you can go and uh, fulfill your destiny. But it's Chalky is such a great granddad. I am I, I I that was the first of several moments in that game where, where I started to well up emotionally. Just uh, when you reconnect <laughs> yeah. when you reconnect with Chalky. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you have your uh, your biological granddad Rab. Or the former King Robert, who's uh, um, Queen Eleanor's father, so uh, uh, King Erwin was his son-in-law, and he's been looking for you for the past 15 years that you've been missing. And uh, and when you finally reconnect with him, you 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 see him mourn his his daughter and son-in-law, and and he's he's a good dad too. Poor Rab. Oh, that's such a horrible moment when you oh. go to your old destroyed kingdom and you find out about your lineage, and at the same time you're going to the grave of your parents, who you've only really just found out about in the last like five hours or so, and then yeah. seeing Rab cry, it's like you're immediately there. You it immediately clicks, and you immediately connect to this family. Of Dragon Quest characters, it's just so God. beautiful. Dragon Quest really, really hits family moments hard, uh, very, very well. Like, uh, I, I don't know what Yuji Horii's family situation is like. I, I hope he's happily married with, without much tragedy. But he, like, like I, I mean, he really can communicate familial love in in his writing. I, I, I love all of the Dragon Quest dads. There are so many. Do I get to shout out Sylvando's dad? Really? Oh like, yeah, he's so good. <laughs> he's. So, I'm not going to spoil anything, but yeah. Sylvando's dad is a strict knight, and he accepts his son for what he is and who he is eventually. And it is the 
best moment ever and basically becomes the dad of this entire group of really like these extravagant dancer characters and it's just great he just adopts them willingly he's just like i'm going to train them all to be knights knights of happiness or knights smiling knights knights of smiles or something going going into that meeting i knew that silvando was dreading seeing his dad after so many years so i was i was (laughs) i was worried that it was going to be you know going to be trite or Oh, a sad dad and son reunion where they fight and they don't understand each other. But no, they immediately <laughs> understood each other. And Silvando realizes that he shouldn't have been worried because his dad had believed in him all along. It was it was a very, very sweet moment that could have been done poorly. But just like Silvando himself, it's just an amazing part of the game where that uh, that that going in. I was, I was like, I was like, oh, no, are they going to make Silvando a terrible caricature? It's like, no, they made Silvando the best character in the game. And his dad, and his dad no, is awesome. That's great. Oh yeah, he does yeah. not. Makes that. me wish I hadn't wait, wanted to wait for the Switch version. Oh. <laughs> oh no, I, I think you've made I, a good decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope we haven't spoiled too much of the game for you, but uh, just just know that Dragon Quest Eleven has some excellent dad work in there. Just just excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay, I, I've gotten my Dragon Quest 15 minutes in, so I, I maybe should, I'm, I'm ready to end the episode. Unless, <laughs> unless but let, let, <laughs> let, let's keep pressing on a little bit. Uh, Audrey, do you have another suggestion for a good mom or dad for us? I really like um, Craig uh, Elliot's dad, Elliot and Fiona's dad from the Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel. Oh, games. okay. Oh. I, I have not met the Craigs yet because I um, I am playing Trails oh. of Cold Steel for the first time right now. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna be great. Too. Yeah, yeah, I'm only I'm only four or five hours in. Uh, but uh, I mean I. From what I do know, uh, I mean, the parents of, of all of almost all of Class Seven have roles, or at least small roles. Yeah, they're pretty. They're all pretty good. I mean, Irina, I actually love Alyssa's mom too, mm-hmm. especially when they go into her in the second game. And, and we should More. go uh, for people that aren't aware of Trails of Cold Steel. Um, the game takes place at a military academy in the country of Erebonia. This is in the same setting as uh, Trails in the Sky, the the popular uh, Legend of Heroes games from the mid two thousands. But uh, in, in this military academy, um, or I should say in this country, there's a big class divide between nobles and commoners. But uh, Class 7, your, your own small elite class of this military academy, is the first uh, nobles and commoners. Just, just, it's just the most talented students uh, from, from like initial testing. So, so they're, this is they're like you're in an experimental class, and so there's uh, you have noble kids clashing with commoner kids, and and uh, the the people of class seven have very different backgrounds, um, but I, but their parentage and their like the roles of the different parents I, I think do show up because I mean I, like in the very beginning you're you're learning about um, Eusus uh, and Machias's dads who are who have prominent roles in the Erebonian government. Yeah. And uh, but but Elliot is. Maybe the almost the most normal kid in class seven. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he he likes to play violin, and he isn't he doesn't have insane circumstances around his uh, around his upbringing. So so um so so what's his dad like? His dad is. We, they make you think he's supposed to be really strict, and uh, like imposing because he's this famous general of the military. Oh, Elliot's dad's a famous general. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Elliot. <laughs> the, 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 wow. The, the, that meek dude. Yeah, it's um. And he kind of didn't want Elliot going to music school at first. Going to music school or military? Become, um, becoming a musician. Oh, he, he, okay, okay, okay. He doesn't want Elliot to become a musician. Okay, got it, got it. But it's more because he's afraid of how people would perceive him. 
for it than anything once they go into. So once Elliot kind of proves that he's tough, he's all like, you have more in a strength. I'm proud of you, son. And Oh, so he was, he was already a supportive dad, but then when he sees how, how strong Elliot's become, he's like, he's, he even has a better attitude about it. Yeah. Okay. He's also very like Elliot and his sister, they can do no wrong. It turns out like he's just overly protective and doting on both of them. <laughs> And just wants nothing more than to like hug Elliot whenever they meet Aww. and stuff. So every the other classmates are all surprised because they at first thought he was like some intimidating, horrible person. And then it's like anytime he's with his family, he's like a big old teddy bear. Yeah, everyone's dad in that in that game is is some prominent weird thing. Is it because Machias's dad is a governor? Uh, at least three or four of the children have famous noblemen as their as their dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think Alyssa's father is that is a famous inventor or industrialist or both. Uh, yeah, and his um, her mother is the CEO of a really big ah uh, right right Reinford right. company uh, or uh... yeah she's she like it's extremely obvious they mention Reinford at the like in the first forty five minutes of the game and Alyssa like like blushes and looks the other way. He's like, "Oh, I'm Alyssa R." I'm like and, and like from the first moment, I was like, "Okay, you're you're Alyssa Reinford and you're just being you're just being the most obvious Sundere character I've ever seen in a video game." <laughs> yeah. I do like her mom. Her mom's pretty neat though. I, I haven't met them yet, but I I look forward to meeting the all of the parents of this wacky class of characters. <laughs> yeah. Would be a school without parents. Yeah, again, I'm only three or four hours in. I mean, I'm I think I'm part way or maybe towards the end of chapter one but it's uh it, it's very very good so far i'm annoyed at myself for taking this long to play it you can blame mm. blame podcasting and all of my other gaming vices getting in the way of this thing but uh cool i'm i'm looking forward to some good mom and dad work in that game excellent <laughs> you know I, I saw this entry in the in the mom's article that posted in may uh mom uh parentheses pokemon series close parentheses <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I feel so bad for the Pokemons. Yeah, you, you know the Pokemons, they do a good job because even though their child is perhaps 10 years old, they put an enormous amount of trust into into their children. Yeah, the parentage in Pokemon, most of them are pretty good. So your mom is basically the same every time. There are a couple of games where your mom hints that she has been a Pokemon trainer and has mm-hmm. been on the same adventure as you, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But I wish they would do something else with them. Like, I really want the next champion to be a mom. Yes! Your mom. I had the same idea. I had the same idea. Like, like maybe your first Pokemon hatches from an egg of your mom's Pokemon, and then, oh. like, and then like, you fight your mom as the champion at the end of the game. My and little and, 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 the, and, like, and, like, the, and, like, Sobble's mom is your mom's pokemon <laughs> oh i'd love that, that. I, oh i would love that i i had this i had the same idea independently of you i swear alana <laughs> but we have the inverse kind of with mm-hmm. the dads so yes. there is one generation in pokemon where your dad is a gym leader and that is hoenn generation three so mm-hmm. which i think is a really neat idea and i think it adds some gravitas to the whole beat all eight gym leaders and things like that so you're... yeah, and, and and you fight Norman fifth or sixth in that lineup of eight, but yeah, he's and, fifth, and after yeah. and after beat after you beat him, whether you're his son or his daughter, he goes, child, you've you've surpassed your dad, like like in a way that adds a little bit more gravitas to the usual oh you overcame me kind of speech that you always hear from gym leaders. 
It's like, screw you, you haven't been here all my life, and I'm just beating you in a Pokemon <laughs> battle, basically. That was what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, I mean geez, he, he's maybe less absentee than usual for Pokédads, but <laughs> are, are, are there any other discernible Pokédads in the game? Because I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I sometimes... There I is! There's Som- a bad Pokédad in oh, Generation 5. Should we save him till later? Oh, oh. Mm, that's true. And there's also a bad Pokédad in Generation 1, Giovanni. There is, yeah. His his son, who uh, might be called Silver or something, the rival character in Persona, in a uh, Persona, whoops, in in, in, <laughs> in, uh, in Pokemon Gold and Silver, um, he did not do a great job of raising Silver. No, he didn't. Silver, Silver's not too bad by the end of it, but definitely Silver not takes there. a turn. But he's a he's a thug at the beginning, and mm-hmm. uh, and when you learn that him and Giovanni are uh, father and son, it makes sense at one level, but also is. Uh, He's like, come on, man. Like, You should have done a better job raising that kid. <laughs> I know. After all the Pokemon you have to raise, you do definitely get an idea of what a good Terry should St- be like. St- Steven Stone's dad is also rich and powerful, but he did a great job of raising old Stevie. Yep. Steve mm-hmm. Stone turned out really fine. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I hire Jack? Oh, please. Because you know what I'm going to go to next. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. I'm going to crack out the liquid juice. Mm. Uh-huh. Skies of Arcadia has good parents, everybody. It has a couple of bad ones, but I would say the majority of the ones you get to meet are good. So, um, I want to talk about your parents first, Vices, because Dine... I love the Blue Rogue's parents so much. Dine's it's... mustache is like the third best character in the game. <laughs> I love him. It's so good. He also has one of my favorite entrances for any character in any video game ever. So Sky starts off with you jumping onto an Armada ship, which is the bad guys, and you ambush a bunch of soldiers. You fight them, um, and then your dad turns up because you get surrounded. He shoots one of them, and he's like, I think the Armada say, like, oh, what are you going to do? You're surrounded. There's three of us now. Your dad shoots one of them, and he's like, three? I only see two of you. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes! But like, Dine is really important. He doesn't play much of a role in the story, but he's definitely a really strong role model for Vice. Um, Dine is basically the head of the Blue Rogues, so he is the and, leader and, and, of uh, and, and yeah, the Blue Rogues, pirates. Blue Rogues are do-gooder pirates that, uh, that fight bad pirates called Black Pirates and the Armada, which is a bad empire, and they, uh, and they distribute the wealth that they, that they amass to, uh, to, town, to innocent townspeople. Pirate Robin Hoods. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. Yeah, and your mum's really sweet as well. She's really supportive. She does just stay at home, um, but she is super supportive of your dad and you and your journeys to being pirates. And they've basically also acted as parents to Ika because Ika lost mm-hmm. her parents when she was young. So you and your best friend have been growing up together, and your parents are really really cool. Um, but you and do they have Fina too. Sorry. Of. And they take in Fina too. They do, yeah. yeah. They're so accepting of her. Like, there's no questions. They can tell. They, they're these kind of people who can tell when you're a good person. Like, they just trust. They're really good at reading people, and they know that when the Armada are against them, then basically it's just like, well, we're going to go right against you then. Um, so anything that the Armada or the Black Pirates do against the yeah, Blue Rogue, you know, this, an enemy. Uh, this is a bit of a, com- a commentary on all RPG parents, but I always like it when I see uh, video game parents just trusting you. Because you are you are up to some wild shit as a, yeah. as, as as video ga- as video game characters in general, and and yep. just to, just to see them be accepting and trusting when it would be very easy to make to make them reactionary and uh, 
and 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 unsupportive. I always like seeing that. And uh, and your parent uh, Vice's parents in Skies of Arcadia are really really great. Yeah, they are. And when you go to rescue your dad quite early on in the game, he gets, he really respects you. And that is the moment where you go off on your own adventure and he wants you to do the best you can do. And you eventually surpass your father, which is ridiculous given the amount of respect that your father actually has in the game. So Yeah, when you go to the first two towns or so, they're all like, oh, Dine, what a mensch. He's, he's, always, uh, he's always looking <laughs> out for us. He's so cool. Yeah, I would definitely love dying to be my dad. Um, but you do get an actual dad as part of your party. Ma- um, and uh, Drachma is the uh, first extra character who joins your party. Um, he is the typical. Again, he's pretty much like Dejima, the kind of gr- much more gruffer though. So he's oh, yeah. very, very grumpy. He's very gruff much... and rugged. He has, he has, yeah. like, he has like an Alaskan fisherman beard that, that, that like a scraggly Santa Claus or something. Yeah, he is mm. definitely. He does not like you. Like you, and basically, you end up on his ship. Your uh, little boat gets shipwrecked, and you land on his little boat called the Little Jack. Um, so he takes you to the next town, and he's determined not to help you out or do anything. But Vice manages to waggle his way into Drachma's world and Drachma's heart, and they end up working together. But Drachma probably has the saddest and worst backstory out of all of the characters. Um, his boat is named after his son Jack. Um, I'm gonna spoil this um have you beaten skies of arcadia or do you want me to hold off order um you can spoil it i'm still in the very beginning stages of it i haven't had a lot of time to play it unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) no that makes sense it's busy time um But uh, it's not too late in the game. It's about a third of the way through, I would say. Um, You find out that Drachma's ship is called the Little Jack, which is named after his son. Um, And Drachma is chasing after the arc whale called uh, Ragnum. Um, And you find out the reason he's doing this is because a long time ago... uh, Drachma and Jack were they're just simple fishermen, really, and they would go out fishing and they had a great time. They loved sailing together and they had a really strong relationship. And one day this purple arc whale turned up and capsized their boat. And not only so Drachma lost his arm and lost his eye in this accident, but his son died in the accident as well. Oh. So this is why he's chasing after Rackham so much because it's it's basically his purpose for living. He's taken everything away from him, and he's the only he's only got one memento of his son, and that is a box of feathers. And there is a scene later on in the game where he Vice comes up to Drachma. It's pretty near the like one of the definitive breakoff points in the game, I would say. Um, they're sitting on deck together talking, and Drachma says to Vice, "You know, you remind me of my son." And he's looking at all these box of feathers, and that's when he tells Vice. And Vice suddenly there's, there's this really good relationship between the two of them that's opened up because mm-hmm. of this backstory. But Drachma has a really tragic backstory, and it also has a really really sad resolution as well. Like I. I cried. Um, we we shouldn't go so... into it, it but uh, but uh, in the in sort of the latter third of the game, you you get a you get a resolution between Drachma and Ragnum and and his backstory, but it it, it is very very emo- emotionally resonant. I think. Mm-hmm. But Drachma's good. Like he's definitely grumpy at the beginning, but he he's got a really good heart, and he sees the good in Vice and sees that he's doing the right thing, and and also uh, help you out. Um, unpopular opinion. Uh, towards the end of the game, when you uh, the whole game, uh, your party is basically Vice, Ika, Fina, and then a fourth person, and then that that fourth person rotates. And at, but by the end of the game, you get to choose who your fourth is. Drachma is my favorite fourth. I, I like putting him. Yeah, in there. that is popular. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like putting him in there over Gilder or Enrique because 
I, I just like him using Spirit Charge every turn and giving me more SP to use. Yeah, it's a really good tactic. All yeah. three of them have their worth. All, all three of them are good. Really but, but, yeah, Dragma is my favorite just because that means I could use more powerful Fina spells and Vice Sword attacks. Mm-hmm. It's a but, but Skies of Arcadia is an excellent, excellent game. It's in my probably top ten RPGs and Alana's top one RPGs. Um, top one everything. <laughs> and it's a it's it's really excellent. Uh, I mean, how overdue are we for some modern port? Because all we have is the mm-hmm. uh, the somewhat flawed uh, GameCube Legends port, which was a uh, o three or o four, fifteen plus years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, it's got more stuff in it, so it is the better version. But the music quality and the graphic quality do suffer quite a bit. Yeah, I think because I, they're, I, they're, I, they're I, put the game on one disc. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's because they crammed it onto one disc instead of two. But uh, and, and also GameCube, uh, its format was somewhat limited. They like uh, I think those I think those have less storage space than a true DVD. But but yes, Guys of Arcadia is a classic, and there's some excellent uh, RPG dads in there. Yep. There's a bad mom as well. <laughs> oh, is that is that the uh, the Empress? Empress Theodora, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not good. Although she loves Enrique to bits. And and, and, it's and, so Enri- and, and Enrique is, if anything, a a, a very good kid. So he's like yeah. so she didn't ruin him at least. No, exactly. He's definitely a bit of a garnet from Final Fantasy Nine in that he <laughs> sees he tries he's trying to help her rather than like kill her or stop her it's like uh she never used to be like this and like well sorry she doesn't get the resolution that everybody well yeah things happen (laughs) i love enrique i love how stupid he is and i love how he falls off boats and is airsick all the time (laughs) well Mm -hmm. uh speaking of people being involved with pirates and uh, and uh, ultimately trusting their sons. I think maybe the number one all-time RPG mom who was somehow... I, I don't think she was in our RPG mom's feature. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go through it over again. Uh, but uh, but I, I didn't write her in. I blame myself, of course. Is Miranda from Grandia 3. Um, she's not there. No, no. Yeah, I was really surprised. I haven't played Grandia three. It's the only yeah, one I have played. I haven't. I I, uh, I haven't finished it. But I played it. I played the first ten fifteen hours of it, uh, and I, and I love Grandia one and two. Um, and naturally, I do. It's from the same game arts team that made Lunar one and two. But uh, simplifying it a little bit, and I, and I might be missing some details because I again, this was many years ago. I tried playing this. Um, like you, uh, the main character Yuki uh, meets a meets a girl that basically falls out falls out of the sky. Uh, like a woman, a girl named Alfina, and they're about to go on an adventure together. And your mom Miranda goes, "Wait, wait, wait, hold on a minute. You're like 15. You you aren't ready for an adventure. I'm going. I'm going with you." So so she joins your party very very early, and she's like accompanying you, and uh, she's a, a very loving, supportive mom, but she's also kind of. Uh, uh, you know, you know, kind of rough around the edges, fun mom. She fights with daggers. She clearly did some adventuring in her youth, but but then, um, early-ish on, like probably before the ten-hour mark, uh, you meet an, uh, you meet another character, Alonso, who is a who's a sailor that that's traveling the world, and uh, and and your Alonso and your mom sort of make a sort of make a connection, and uh, yeah, it, it's I don't I don't know how romantic it is exactly, but but. Uh, Miranda says, "You know what, Yuki? I, I think I mean I've been accompanying you all this time. Uh, you're way more grown up than I remember you being. So I, yeah, go ahead and help Alfina. I'll go travel the world with Alonzo for a while." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And it's, it's just, I, again, it's just an enormous amount of trust that Miranda puts into Yuki, but also the, just the idea of a mom going, uh-uh, I'm going with you, is just, <laughs> is just delightful to me. And also she's just a very, very cool mom uh, for the whole first part of the game that she accompanies you. I respect her choice to make her own decisions in life as well. That is good. Right? Like, I'm glad she comes with you. There are not enough moms who are playable, like, at all. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, preferably not, unfortunately. Well, okay, uh, the best playable mom is obviously the entire female cast of most Fire Emblem games of recent years. Whew. Yeah. That that was definitely a dig, because I'm a little eye-rolling at... Uh, <laughs> at recent Fire Emblem games, letting anyone become a mom or a dad. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like I'm not against that. I was I made a good mom. I was a good mom in Fire Emblem Awakening. <laughs> I definitely didn't marry the potato like long coup, potato slicer. Like definitely not. <laughs> he was my favorite. I just had to. It was it was just how well Fire Emblem Awakening is where this kind of boomed a little bit and it's one of the only ones I've actually beaten and played um, but yeah I think it's funny with it because it's basically they just dump the children off in the dimension where they age yeah yeah with, um, it's really bad parenting in, in fire emblem awakening uh, the children grew up in a dystopian future and then travel back in time mm. to solve that dystopian future like uh, like the terminator um, yeah. was yeah. a comparison that a lot of people made uh, fairly I think but uh, it, it's they. It, you can tell for Fates they wanted to bring back that system of having characters hook up and then making their children playable, but they, they just handled it. They handle it. In, they handle it in such a much much yeah. worse way. Much more bad parenting way. Yeah. And all, and also my my girl in Fire Emblem Awakening was Shersha because the idea of a you know just, just a very very pleasant lady with a uh, with a, a pet dragon that is very aggressive. Mm-hmm. It was cool to me. It's like, like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to date the girl with a cool dragon. Yep, yeah. she was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, but, but yeah, awakening, I, awakening. I think uh, a lot. Awakening was definitely more popular than Fates overall for a lot of reasons. But I mean, if you want to talk about some bad dads, the King of Nor in Fire Emblem Fates is a terrible dad. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, he is. It's it's so remarkable to me that. Um, all ten of your siblings in that game, uh, three in, I'm sorry, five in Hoshido and five in Nor, love the hero so much or heroine so much that it's a little weird. But if you take the Nor route, uh, your father is actively trying to murder you by sending you on impossible missions, and it just and it, it, it's not it's completely over the head of everyone, in, including <laughs> including his children, your 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 adoptive siblings that. Uh, that they're like, no, like, oh no 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 no, Dad's not like that. He doesn't want to kill you. He's like, no, he's totally trying to kill me. It's weird. I'm winning wars for him, and he's actively trying to sabotage me. I don't get it. Uh, I I have some tonal issues with fates. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's even um more interesting in the Revelations playthrough, just because it's so obvious. Yeah, I, I never got around to a Revel- Revelations playthrough. I I made it to like chapter 18 in conquest and maybe 12 or 13 in in birthright but i i just i, I just lost stamina it was uh it, yeah. it it was not the fire emblem game i wanted that's a lot of game as well fire yeah. emblem games are not short and they're no. not always easy especially well conquest was the hard one wasn't it birthright was like awakening style easy mm-hmm. um i, I think i, I like the gameplay design in conquest a little bit more uh, yeah. like, I, I think the battles were sort of better designed puzzles, but the uh, 
but it, just from a character and story and tone and system perspective, uh, uh, Awakening is just obliterates fates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so yeah, um, in in Fire Emblem Awakening and Fates, almost anyone can be a mom or dad. So technically, they qualify for this episode. <laughs> um, actually, they're more minor characters, but I really enjoyed um, Ellie's parents and Xenogears. Oh, Xenogears! I mean, yeah. they really went into them. I mean, you kind of Ellie had very different interpretations of them, just because she knew her father had an affair and that she wasn't really related to Medina mm-hmm. and stuff. And then it turns out that they just, all they really wanted was to protect her. And, you know, they loved her as she was their kid. And it was just really sweet and touching, I thought. I played Xenogears so long ago, I don't remember Ellie's parents. I feel bad for that. <laughs> They're not very big at all. Like, they yeah. come out more in conversation, and then they only pop up the one time you go to Solaris, I yeah, think. I, um, I would have played that in, the, in like, 2001 or 2002, uh, so it's it's been too long, I'm afraid. I don't remember everything about it. I remember how terrible a certain dad is in that game, but I don't remember Ellie's parents. <laughs> <laughs> I like... I tend to keep a memory for minor characters I tend to like, so... Oh no! Oh, me too. But I, I just—I mean, I remember the uh, the Eltrio arc in Dragon Quest VIII extremely well. But uh, but Ellie's parents not not nearly as well. Uh. But uh, but but they're they're a good mom and dad that are mostly remembered fondly. Even though I know Ellie Ellie has had a rough go of things. Yeah, she um she ends up really appreciating them by the end, just because plot happens. <laughs> I thought it was really well done how they resolved their storyline, even if it's tragic. Mm. Mm. So, Alana, um, we're hitting over an hour now. So, uh, what do you think is a, a a final mom or dad to bring up for the episode for you? Ooh, well, there are a few I want to talk about, but I will keep it to one game at least. Um, so, I wrote about a Tales of Symphonia dad, but not the one you'd expect. Um, so, oh, are we are we talking about the uh, the Less good dad or the adoptive dad? We're talking about the adoptive dad. All right. You say less good dad, but I do love Kratos. I love I, him. Mm, I was, yeah. I was, I'm a little anti-Kratos. A little. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he, definitely an issue. He's yeah, definitely he, got issues. He earned the beatdown that he receives at the end oh, of the God. game. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, for definite, yeah. Like, I've got no qualms about being him in that one-on-one fight. That mm-hmm. is so cool. Um, Dirk is a sweet dad. He is another... We've got lots of Scottish dads on here today. I <laughs> um, but Dirk is adorable. So he's a dwarf, um, and he adopts Lloyd after your mother dies. Um but Lloyd kind of resents the way that he lives. Like he wants to go out and do a bit more. Lloyd enjoys going out and adventuring and sword fighting and things like that. Whereas his dad is a master craftsman, as all dwarves are. Dwarves are a largely extinct race in the Tales of Symphonia's both uh, Silverant or Tethayala. Um, but. Dirk really cares about you, and he cares about you and all your friends. Um, he likes to hammer, hammer home the uh, dwarven vows, um, oh, <laughs> which yeah. Lloyd very much resents. And not, not my favorite gimmick in that game, reciting no. all, all, all those dwarven vows. <laughs> yeah, the only one I can ever remember is the battle quote one, which is dwarven vow number seven: "Just as a love will always win." Um, that's the only one I can remember. That's because you probably hear it a hundred times if you use Lloyd often in that game. Right at the beginning of the game, when it's just Lloyd Genius. 
Colette, that is basically the only battle skit you ever get. So, yeah, definitely. Um, but Dirk has some really important parts in the story. So, like, he tries, he, like, Lloyd gets really angry at him a number of times. And I think it's because Dirk just wants to protect him. He's another one of these really protected dads. But, like, Lloyd makes some big mistakes because he gets involved in things he shouldn't do. So, early on, he sneaks into the bad guy's base because, or nearly does, because one of the old ladies that Genus has made friends with, um, something goes wrong with her, and it's as a result of Lloyd and Genus talking to her. Um, so Dirk is really angry with Lloyd because one of the rules of the village is not to get involved um, with the um, camp. And so Lloyd and Genus get banned from there. And Dirk is angry at him, understandably, but he understands why he's trying to help. Um, so he's not like against Lloyd going on this journey of um, regeneration to follow Colette, um, who is another one of his best friends. Um, but he's kind of overprotective and but he can't stop him. Like Dirk acknowledges that he's not his father. He's not his real father and that there's nothing he can do. But Lloyd does have an immense amount of respect for him because he does talk about him really highly. And towards the end of the game, when you found out that Kratos is indeed Lloyd's real father in a very Star Wars moment, um, you <laughs> go... It's really sweet, actually, because you you need this weapon called the Eternal Sword to um, reunite the two worlds and bring about the bad guys um plans to like not reunite the worlds and take it over with Darius Carlon. Tells the Fantasia people will have heard that before. Oh um, yeah. I I <laughs> um I played Fantasia long before playing Symphonia and I so I sort of I sort of knew that the angels were bad guys, maybe a little earlier than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though, because it gives you context, and I think it makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, Symphonia so. is a prequel to Antasia, so... Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah pretty distantly, so that's where the world trees... Um, yeah, like, at, at the yeah at the very end of, of uh, Symphonia, the world tree is basically a sapling, and... and uh, Lloyd is, names it Yggdrasil, and you know, saving Yggdrasil is the thrust of a lot of Tales of Fantasia's plot. Uh. And uh, yeah. but they they flip it on they flip it a little bit. Um, the uh, the main villain of Tales of Fantasia is from Darius Carlon. He's from the same group of the Angels, but because the worlds have been united, uh, the Darius Carlon isn't sucking magic away from them anymore, so it, it's fallen into ruin. And uh, uh, Daus from Tales of Fantasia is trying to save his world. By but uh, but comes across as like an invade as like an invading monster for much of Fantasia. It's a, it's a pretty good RPG story, even though I don't I don't think they completed it as much as they wanted to. Uh, that production mm -hmm. was rushed, but yeah, the, um, Dirk is a really good dad. He's uh, mm -hmm. it, it's it's especially especially since you know, I mean, sing single parents are heroes and adoptive parents are heroes, and and Dirk mm -hmm. is both. Yes. And he makes the Eternal Sword as well, which is really cool. He does, cool. yeah. <laughs> By that point, he's the only dwarf left in the world, so he doesn't quite have the skills, but with, in a really sweet moment, after, when you when you find out that your dad is Kratos, and you find out that you need to defeat him to get something to do with the eternal sword you get the summon spirit origin um by beating him he's the seal for origin basically um so you have to fight him and it's a really cool moment where like your father kind of acknowledges lloyd like lloyd's father acknowledges him and 
but then he brings him back to Dirk and they meet and Dirk is not angry at him again. It's this really cool moment of reconciliation. And it's like, Lloyd's like, Oh, Hey, I have two dads now. And it's just like, it's normal. And it's really cool. And I love the fact that they both forge the eternal sword between, between them. And that is what Lloyd uses to save the world. Um, but tales games have some mixed history with parents, I think. And, I don't want to talk about Tales of Exilia, but I do want to give a shout out to how much I hate Jude's dad, Derek Mathis. He is an absolute jerk and an arse and punches his <laughs> son. I hate him. Oh my god. And uh, I-, I think that we can't mention very many bad dads of Tales without uh, talking about Artorias! <laughs> oh man, the worst. Oh boy, he- he's-, he's a terrible person. He's yeah. a terrible person in a lot of ways, but uh, his 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 dadness is uh, is not among his his virtues. <sighs> Even if he is an adoptive dad, I suppose he's an adoptive dad and a big brother, and, and and a big brother, and it was sort of a real dad. But oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, Terry it, goes some places. Yeah, that that, that oh, God, that's that storyline. Like it, like everyone's every new story detail that you hear is darker and sadder than the last. Yeah, it's it's. It's crazy, but yeah. Artorius, jerk. That's mm-hmm. not really a spoiler. <laughs> I, I, I think I've, I've, made, I've made this joke before, but I think that maybe a full quarter of Velvet's dialogue is her screaming the name of the, of the person she's trying to murder. It's a real Tales game. You have to mm. shout the name of a character numerous times throughout the entire runtime. So oh, yeah. that's proof. That, that, that was a sneaky Tales of Rebirth joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Tales of Abyss joke. Yeah, God. Man. Yeah. Oh, that's Replica! That's yeah, different. Hopefully, hopefully they announce the new Tales game soon. We're, we're recording this before E3, so if, if they announce, you know, uh, Tales of 2020 uh, it, 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 during E3 or just <laughs> after E3, yeah. we, we, will, we will definitely know about it. What was it what's the rumored name? Uh, there is no rumored name. I don't. There, I haven't sent a rumored name. Oh, there isn't even a trademark. Um, and maybe no. there, maybe there is, and I just and I just haven't researched it. But... Yeah, me neither. Hello, listeners. Regrettably, we lost the last six or seven minutes of this episode uh, during recording. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but all that you're missing is a brief discussion on Cassius Bright from The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, and then the usual end of episode housekeeping. So I'm just going to skip ahead to that second part. This episode was delayed because of um, my E3 trip. Uh, I got pretty sick after getting home, and this episode should have gone up Friday or Saturday uh, in mid-June, but we're getting it the following Tuesday instead. That's my bad. I apologize. But let's talk about what's coming up soon in Retro Encounter. Next week, or I should say in a few days, we're, we're going to have a special myths and folklore episode about the gods and monsters of RPGs and what they share in uh, real-life belief systems. And uh, there was a lo- that was a lot of fun to record, so please expect that soon. And the following week, we're going to have an episode all about Until Dawn, the choice-based thriller that came out a few years ago uh, and was heavily streamed during that time. I've never played it before, and I'm very early in the playthrough now, so I'm looking forward to talking about Until Dawn with Peter in a few weeks, or I should say next week. And in July, we have a special emergency substitution. We're going to talk about Trials of Mana, the, uh, I, I should say old, but it's brand new to international audiences, uh, through the collection of mana that was recently available digitally and in English. Um, Seiken Ninsetsu 3 is now available worldwide 
uh, in multiple languages as Trials of Mana. It's also getting remade in 2020. But we are going to have three new players and one veteran player, that's me, um, discussing Trials of Mana in July. And you might remember two years ago in our special uh, Encounter of Mana episode, I went pretty deep into SD3, so... I'm going to do that again, except I get two whole episodes for it. I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, also in July, we're going to be recording a very negative episode that is in the planning stages, but I'm looking forward to see how that turns out. But listeners, if you want to contact Retro Encounter, the best way to do so is email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG Fan's message boards, visit the Facebook page, visit our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord server, our Twitch channel, something streaming every day there, and two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter, the latter of which is on hiatus. Uh, and please review Retro Encounter or our other podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, however you are listening to us. We want all the constructive criticism you can provide. And also, this episode about moms and dads was uh, very fun to record, but uh, I don't know what your parenting situation is, listener, but call your mom or dad if they're still around, because they miss you. That is all. Thank you, good night, and good luck. Your fiction, your fiction, take it from from me. Your fiction, your fiction, your fiction.